It's that time of the week again. It's that time when the latest episode of Digital Kill the Radio Star drops. Drop! It's time to waste another hour or so with David and Chris as they spout out more of their worthless music knowledge. It's time to hear them discuss the music of their youth. As well as the music of today. So kick back, relax, and have some fun with David and Chris. Digital Kill the Radio Star starts right now. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the Digital Kill the Radio Star podcast. I'm one of your hosts, David, and I have my buddy, Mr. Chris Craig, on the other line. Chris, we're hunkered down. It's coronavirus 2020 we might as well do a podcast yeah yeah i mean a crazy crazy times david you and i were just talking about this before we started it it's uh people that don't know i know you've kind of mentioned before we're we both without boring you with what we do and our, exactly what we do we're both in the healthcare profession and um yeah we're just talking about the, the impact this is and it's it's crazy man i know i know hey you can tell everybody you love social d social distancing now yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah, um, and I mean, it's just, I was telling David, too, one thing that this virus has taught, I, not, I keep saying, I have to keep correcting myself, not taught me, it's solidified my opinion that this world is full of a lot of really, really dumb people. Um, people that just truly lack intelligence. Um, I mean, going and coming, uh, my, my home city, of course, made national news because some woman covering her head with a damn Dollar General bag and Dollar General bags around her feet and garbage bags all around her body. Uh, people buying up toilet paper. Uh, it's just, man, I'm, I'm ready to get, I'm ready to get my, this behind us. Yeah. Yeah. I would say to people out there, uh, use common sense. Um, there's a reason that we're asking people not to go out and expose themselves any more than, um, than what we are. One reason is to protect healthcare workers uh, and to protect those that have, um, you know, a lowered um, immune system, and just uh, uh, the the faster we all kind of hunker down and let this run its course, the more we, you know, the quicker we can get back to um, to our life. So that's all of the serious yeah. stuff. For yeah, and, and I would just say all all we're asking is for people to do what you should have been doing all along, you nasty folks. You know, wash your hands. You know, if you weren't, if you just learned something new in the past week or two. Man, I, I hope I haven't shaken your hand. So, <laughs> well, hey, and we need this thing to hurry up and pass so we can go to concerts as well. I mean, oh, come God. on now, I've got a, I've got a few that are that are I, I believe on life support, and uh, well, I've had one. I've, I've, one I've been looking forward to for a long time is it was happening next Sunday. Yes, yes. So Chris was Over. Gonna, was going to go get to see um, Brian Fallon solo, and it uh, did get rescheduled though. Okay, that's cool. July. And, and, it's, and it's a Sunday night, just like this one was. And, which, and the reason that's important is it's out of it's out of the out of state for me. 
so I don't want to have to miss two days of work. I only have to miss one. So I was glad to see that. Well, he released um, the fourth single uh, Friday, and um, I believe the album's only going to have eight songs on it. Eight or nine. Eight I can't nine, remember. Yeah. Just sing, it's a single number. I know that. So roughly half of them are out, and uh, I, I'm really looking forward to it. I, I've, you know, I commented um, at the beginning that the couple of songs that we had heard uh, were a little more mellow than necessarily some of his other solo stuff, but... Um, uh, a lot of times that bothers me if it's just, you know, if every song's kind of the same tempo throughout an album. But uh, as usual with him, he uh, he has um, not let that be a problem on this one because all the songs have been really, really good. I'll say the one that just came out Friday is probably my least favorite, but I've only listened to it a few times. So uh, I'm really looking forward to it. And it comes out Friday. And if you're out there and you want to help um, people like Brian, who are musicians, who are going to lose uh, a lot of money right now, uh, go buy the album, whether it's a download CD or vinyl, and try to buy it from the artist. That way, they get more money too. But I, I'm I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, I, I've, in my opinion, based on what I've heard, I think this is going to be. He, this, yes, it's going to be mellow, but I believe this is going to be his best solo effort to date. I really do. Um, I think this every song is they're just every one of them I've loved. So I really do. Unless the the other four that comes out, because I think you are right. I think it's eight. Unless the other four are just terrible than I do anticipate thinking this is his best album. But, you know, to your point, too, like what you said, I've seen a lot of it on social media. And people saying, you know, go, you can't, they can't play these shows. And what I would say to to you, if, you know, we're not talking about the Rolling Stones have to cancel a, a show or, you know, or Jay-Z or, Green Day, whoever it may be. We're not talking about that. We're talking about the people that I normally go see. I'm not an arena type guy just because most of my bands I listen to aren't into they they're not that popular. And so when they're playing these small little clubs, yeah, this is their livelihood. You know, of these big acts that I just named, all they're doing and, and God bless them, I mean, they can keep making more money, but it's not dire for them. These people, like we keep talking about if, if people have to be quarantined and whether they're going to have enough sick days, whether they're going to be able to make rent. Well, this for somebody like Brian Fallon, that is his clocking in and his job doesn't come with sick time. Right. So, yeah, I mean, support these. If you if you don't normally do it and you've just been streaming, that's OK. That's what that's what we pretty much all do these days. Now might be time to. You don't want you don't want a physical product. Go to their website and order a T-shirt. You know you like the people. You were going to go see them. So if they if they canceled in your in your city, maybe use the money that you would have spent on beer and go to their website and buy a shirt from from them because they need it. And uh, I think you're about to start seeing some creativity up there too because somebody asked I saw on social media they asked Brian Fallon yesterday would he consider doing something online because I just really want to hear these new songs. And he said, I, may, I am looking into that. And so you might see a platform they put out and over the next couple of months to where maybe it's a, a 5 or $10 fee to watch him play a full set. Well, and I've also seen artists do that and they have like a virtual tip jar. Um, you know, and you can tip them as you go along. But yeah, and so not only does it affect the musicians, it affects, you know, the roadies, the tour managers, the people that work at the venues, Um Everybody. So, and, and one of the things that I, I'm sure you're going to agree with me, Chris, one of the things I've learned the most from doing this podcast 
is you know we've been we've been fortunate enough we've gotten to interview and and, and kind of mingle with uh, people that have had varying degrees of success in the music business. The, the thing, if people ask me like, what's the thing that you've learned most from the podcast is how hard it is to earn a living now in music. And you know, we've seen that uphand with some of the people that, that we've interviewed. And so just because it's somebody that you think has a whole lot of money, uh, that revenue stream is, is drying up and, um, you know, support them just like support your local businesses. I, I think I'm going to go buy some, um, gift cards from restaurants, uh, just so that, you know, people have an influx of cash coming in. But, uh, yeah, hopefully this is over before this summer because I know we all have concert plans this summer. And it's, honestly, it's probably the biggest summer I can ever remember as far as large tours. Yeah, I, I, I hadn't really kept up with it. Honestly, I've got the I've got the few bands I really want to go see. But yeah, I mean, summer's big now. Summer's big with the yeah. festivals. And you, know, you had you had the Stones were going to tour. There was that big Weezer Green Day tour. Uh, there's that Def Leppard Motley Crue one. Um, Gosh, I'm just, um, I had a whole list of them, but anyway, that kind of escaped me. But yeah, it's a lot of, a lot of touring going yeah. on. You know, one thing I, I did just the light at the end of the tunnel, I'm going to share something that I did here too. When you, yet yeah, sucks, you're not seeing you getting to see your favorite artists and all. And I trust me, like I said, I feel your pain. I'm there. And all the, you know, the, in Memphis, the St. Patrick's day parade was, shut down. They didn't do it. Just like pretty much every city in America did not do one. The light at the end of the tunnel is pretty soon. You're going to have something to do nonstop because a lot of these, even the St. Patrick's day parade here, they're talking about doing that in April. And so everything it's like, most things aren't getting canceled for good. They're getting postponed. So I think in, if there's any problem that comes out of that, it's some bands don't get to go back to a city that was on their, on their, um, it's their initial tour just because there's too many people trying to get these rescheduled dates. I saw that life of agony, they were playing Nashville and, um, they're not, they've rescheduled all of their dates except for Nashville. And I think they were playing Johnson city. Maybe they had two Tennessee dates and neither one of those have been rescheduled. And I'm sure it's just because other artists are booked. They're all fighting for, you know, a handful of dates. Well, and the place they were going to play was destroyed in Nashville. True. Too. So that's one less. You know, that's kind of a big one less rock, venue. That was a big kind of a rock club there, um, in uh, in Nashville. Well, Chris, a lot of people are going to be at home and they're going to be watching Netflix. And last weekend, I watched the new uh, Netflix documentary on ZZ Top. And uh, I've just always been kind of a basically know the hits for ZZ Top. I've seen them a couple of times in concert. They're fine and everything. The the documentary is really, really well done. I've seen a lot of people, uh, a lot of musicians online, uh, especially on Twitter, talking about it, recommending it. Uh, it's a, it's really good. Tells a really good story, and uh, you know, I didn't realize that you know there were drug issues at times, and then uh, you realize how you know a lot of people just kind of know them from like that eliminator period in the '80s and early '90s. But uh, at their heart, they're they're a true um, blues band, and. Uh, it's a band that has had a lot of staying power and it said in there that they're the, they have, they've been together over 50 years and that's the, a record for number of people in a band. It's never changed. And that's remarkable in itself. But if you're at home, don't have anything to do. And, um, you're a music fan. I highly recommend the ZZ top documentary. I've I heard somebody else. And I'm not talking about through social media, somebody that I know, and I can't even think who it was, but somebody that I know said that it was a, uh, 
an excellent documentary. So I, I, I'm going to put that on the uh, well, it's I'm that, put that on the to do list. It's that guy Sam Dunn that does all the metal documentaries. He did the mm-hmm. Rush one. Did that? What was it like? That eight part one where it talked about all the different subgenres. Of yeah, metal. I don't. I don't remember that. I don't remember the name of that. But it may, I think it may have been just the history of metal. which yeah. it was fantastic. So he does it, and and basically the interview takes place in an old, 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 like, American Legion or something like that in Texas, which I think was one of the first places they played. And it's just the three of them sitting around talking. And, um, you know, because there's, there's video interspersed and showing them playing in concert. But uh, it's just really, really good. But uh, a band, you know, you think about it, they've been around 50 years and they haven't changed lineups. So they either know how to get along or <laughs> something that we could all learn from. Because, I, you know, not even Aerosmith, you know, they had – they have their original members, but they were in and out there for a while. So, uh, anyway, you got anything else, Chris, before we get to your topic? Uh, I have, well, there hasn't really been new music. That, that yeah, The Brian Fallon comes out this coming Friday, so I'm really looking forward. No, two weeks from now. Yeah, I've been really looking forward to that. The only new record that's come out lately is um, the new Body Count. It came out, I believe it was last week. Last, Frost, yeah, last Friday that it came out. It's called Carnivore. It's um, people are listening to us. They probably heard me talk about the last record he did uh, that I just, I can't recommend enough. It's a truly great record, but this, this new one, not as good, but it's got, it's got some cool songs on it. And um, I would just say anybody that, that thinks it's not Chris Price. If you never really listened to body count, they're not really quite what you think. You, you think that it's all going to be just rap and all. And yeah, he's going to rap more than he kind of a rapping style to his vocals, but it's a metal band. I mean, that's all there is to it. It's not a rap group. It is a metal band. And um, I think they put out really good. I would call it borderline call it. I, I'm probably, I'm, I, I probably call it referred to it more as hardcore than anything. And, you know, it's like the last record has a lot of, uh, has a lot of, a lot of um, guest appearances on it. I can't think of all of them. I know Jamie Josta is on it. And um, he always does at least one cover song from people that influenced him. Because that's the thing, Ice-T, he's not doing it just as a gimmick. He is a true, true metal fan. And uh, on this one, they did uh, Ace of Spades. So that was pretty cool. It's funny you mentioned them. I was doing some research for this podcast and came across, um, it's on like a um, box set, a Jane's Addiction box set of uh, Body Count and Jane's Addiction doing a Sly and the Family Stone song. Oh, yeah? (laughs) I'll have to... Send that to you. All right. So um, Chris came up with the topic again this week, which he does uh, more times than not. And uh, it was a really good one that we, uh, we've we been thinking on for a couple of weeks and then realized, hey, there's probably going to be a lot of people sitting around with nothing to do the next couple of weeks. So we'll try, we got like three or four podcasts in a row uh, planned out. that we'll, One of which uh, might be a really, really, really good one. So stay tuned. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the coronavirus may be putting a little kink in that for right now, but uh, hopefully that pans out. So, Chris, you came up with the idea. I thought it was a good one, and and, and people can also probably take uh, the subject and uh, use it this week and, and listen to some records that maybe they haven't listened to in a while. So why don't you tell everybody the topic? Okay, I, I got the idea because there was a there's a there's a commercial. I can't think of what it I can't think of what the commercial is for, but there's a commercial where they're playing a um, a song by the Stooges, and Every time I hear the Stooges, I'm just amazed at what their music sounded like at that time. It, it was so ahead of its time that I hear the Stooges, and I, if I didn't know who they were, 
if I'd never heard of Iggy Pop and you put that on, you play a song and you told me, hey, this record just came out last week, I'd believe you. You know, plain and simple. I just think they've held up. So I got with David. I was like, hey, I got something. Why don't we pick five albums that they sound like they could be made today? And I'm not talking about David. I had to, I had to, I had to kind of go in detail a little bit more about what my reasons are behind it. It's not, don't think about most influential. We've done that anyway, but don't think of most influential or who's had the longest staying power. Or, that, that's not what we're talking about. What's a record that you? came out years ago that not only sounded ahead of its time, not only was it ahead of its time, but you can put it on today and it still sounds current. And that's what we came up with. So how do you want to do? You want to trade or do you want to just me shoot down? I kind of like what we've done the last time, maybe just shooting down. Yeah. You want to go or you want five. me to go? I'll go. I don't, okay. I don't have a whole lot to say. I don't know how you're going to do it. It really didn't do much work for this because I was being lazy. So apologies. But, um, yeah, go. I, know, I know enough to, to make a few comments. So since I already basically gave away what one of mine is by saying the one that inspired it, it's going to be the Stooges. And this was the second release by the Stooges. It uh, album's called Funhouse. This album came out in 1970. So when you think about how old that record is, I mean, we're talking a, a 50-year-old record. I don't, and it's to me, I really do believe it sounds fresh to this day. You know, songs like Down on the Street, uh, Loose, TBI, they're they're just excellent. And it's just one, it's that, that one and the next one I'm going to name are probably the best examples I have to this. They were super, super easy for me to think of these. They, they required no thought. The other ones took a little bit more thought on them and probably could have been shuffled around with other artists. But so that's the first one. Um, Second pick that I have would be uh, the Pixies. Now, there's a lot of Pixies albums you could pick, but I'm going to go with the one that I think is their best album and my first introduction to the Pixies, which is Doolittle. And this album is just, it's got such a, almost, it's got so much of a weirdness to it, and it still kind of has that underground indie rock type sound that you would expect to hear if you turn on XMU on on Sirius. It um you know songs like the bass or wave of mutilation people most people know Here Comes Your Man. Um I just everything about this record just and, and that's really like I said it's it's basically every record that they've done. But it was just different. And it was different in a way that all these years later I put it on and again, if no, if I didn't know anything, if he, if if the Pixies had, had never heard them whatsoever, and you played this record for me, and you said this came out Friday, I'd be like, oh cool, who is this? Uh, I wouldn't. I, I just it, it's got such a modern sound to it. I have a question about the Pixies for you. Yeah. So they're obviously a band that if you if you read other musicians and and it kind of go spans the whole gamut of, of music. You see them a lot of times, people mention them as a big influence, especially like Nirvana and stuff like that. Were they just not that popular when they were out? And it's the case of kind of like the Velvet Underground. They've just kind of built up over the years and Husker Du, whereas like like you said with the Misfits, you know, when they disbanded, they're playing to two, three hundred people. And now they're playing, you know, to 15,000 seat arenas. 
were the Pixies kind of like that? They were just kind of underground and, and certain people liked them. And then it's just kind of built it. It's kind of built as the years have gone on to an extent, you know, not, not anything like the velvet underground because, you know, here comes your man. That was, that was a fairly, I think, I think that was a fairly popular video, but they definitely weren't huge. And I'm sure the Pixies are probably playing bigger shows now than they have in their career, but there was always a bit of a, a following for them, I, I believe. And, and then just, you know, when they, when they broke up and it spawned some fairly popular acts, the breeders and Frank black solo uh, first record did very well. Um, so I, yeah, I, to answer your question, I, I do believe that they're a much bigger, more well-known name now than they were then, but they probably weren't playing to, you know, 25, 50 people like, uh, like my next artist and, <laughs> and misfits and all that. They probably weren't doing that. So yeah, I think, I think they've definitely grown over time. And, and like any of them, when you talk about the misfits and, and knowing that Metallica waved that flag and, and without Metallica, the misfits, I, they wouldn't have ever had that resurgence that they had and growing to bigger than they've ever been. But in some ways you mentioned, you mentioned, um, Kurt Cobain, very, very, very well known that he, Kurt Cobain was a huge fan of the Pixies. Uh, I, I want to say they, I mean, I know they were one of his favorite bands, but so the next one, when I talk about, I said my next artist was going to be one that played to tiny crowds, a lot of small towns, college towns. And I think if they were to put out a record, I mean, not a record, if they were to do a tour today, they'd sell out venues, not like the misfits that big, but they would sell out venues. And that's uncle Tupelo. You know, Uncle Tupelo are the plain and simple. They're the they're the godfathers of of alt country. They are they are Nirvana at what they do. They are the Ramones at what they do or what they did. And yeah, they played to no one. And I've seen I've, I remember I, I saw um, when I saw Jeff Tweedy one time doing a, a solo acoustic show. He uh, he asked that he was about to play. Um, I can't remember what song it was, but he was about to play an Uncle Tupelo song. I think it was A Cuff Rose, and he said, "We got any uh, got any Uncle Tupelo fans?" Or, he, or maybe he was talking about Uncle Tupelo, and everybody started cheering. And he said, "Well, where were you?" <laughs> you know, because nobody came to the shows. But this album, I picked Uncle Tupelo Anodyne because I feel like, it, and it's certainly not my favorite favorite uh, Uncle Tupelo record. Yeah, I would probably give that to. I'd probably probably say still Phil Gone is my favorite one, but this one I believe did more for the genre, and I believe that this sound is still heard today. I I told you, I told you, David, when I was when I was thinking about this, and they were they were really my my last addition to this list. I thought of the first song on the album, Slate, and by the way, this came out. Now I'm not, I don't even have it in front of me. This was not, was this 93 when it came out? 94? Can't even think of the year. But anyhow, Slate is a song to me. I could hear, I could hear somebody like Jason Isbell doing that song today. And look how big he is. And it's, I mean, that's something that I think he would, 
if if he if he put that song out, people just love it. It it sounds that sound is really yeah, it's people have people have taken it further. They've expanded on it. But I believe that I don't think that this album sounds dated. I believe like I said, I believe it still sounds like the bands that are kind of waving that flag now, like like a Jason Isbell, um uh, what's his name? Uh jo- uh Josh Moore uh, Moreland. Um some of those artists even some people like uh like American Aquarium. Or Drive by Truckers. Excellent. Their stuff, excellent yeah. choice. Drive by Truckers. Excellent pick right there. Lucero. You know, and I just believe that the this record to me it still sounds fresh. Um, if you're not familiar, we've talked about them a lot. But if you're not familiar, that might be the band of any of them that we're going to name today that I would say you need to at least check out, especially if some of these ones that we're naming guys like Isbell and the Truckers and all that. If those if those are artists that you like, that you're unfamiliar with Uncle Tupelo, maybe start with this record because it probably is going to be the most accessible for somebody just getting into them. Well, I mean, you. you there's a lot of people I think that like uh, are you familiar with shovels and rope? Yeah, I mean some of their their type stuff. Um, a, a, you know a lot of um, this kind of um, acoustic based kind of country music. Um, you know pe- people listen to to these albums. Yeah, and this was the one that was really supposed to break them, and it broke them. All right, it broke them right on <laughs> up. But yeah. um, you know if you're listening to us and you aren't familiar with them, I'm sure you're you're familiar at least with Wilco. Uh, you know, this was uh, John and Jeff from Wilco, and uh, the other faction that came out of it is Sunvolt and, and Jay Farrar. And so, uh, this is one of those bands I hear, you know, Chris says this time to time. You may not have heard of them, but a lot of your heroes, this is one of their favorite bands. And um, there's a little bit of something for everything on, on this album in particular. Uh, you can have a kind of some country, some folk. There's some rock songs on here, some mid tempo things. Um, I'm just looking at, you know, the long cut. That's a rocking song. You have a cuff rose, give back the keys to my heart. I love that song. Uh, new Madrid is kind of a, that's a song that I could hear the drive by truckers doing because it's a story built around. It's a song built around something that's true. That's kind of weird. Uh, we've been had another great song, 15 keys. Yeah. It's a, it's a really good album. And, uh, if you like that, I, I would say the next one to be, to get would be still feel gone. That's my favorite uncle Tupelo album. Yeah, same. Uh, and, I mean, and I it's... think Still Feel Gones may be a little more accessible if you're just kind of a rock fan. But, um, yeah, so Uncle Tupelo, a lot of people that you listen to, this is one they had in their collection growing up. Yeah, but if you like the alt country, that's why I say this is the one that I feel like yeah. is probably more than any of them. Because, you know, you would th- you think back and you look at you listen to this end of the debut, and it's going to be, you know, it's it's very – garagey i guess in some ways it's uh definitely got more of their punk influences are in are can can be heard on that record um almost has more of a college like drinking type feel to it than you have it came out with march and made this 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 i mean of course it that, that record was just straight up acoustic Largely just um, it's just a folk record, folk, almost country. Um, and like you said, you, you got Still Feel Gone was more of a rocking, but this was the true Americana record that they did. More than any of them, this is, that, this is the Americana one. So, all right, so on to the next one. 
I went with one that, um, you know, a lot of the bands when I was looking at this too, I, there was kind of a, a common trait in them. They, a lot of them on my list to be considered were very noisy. So I guess if I've learned anything, noise helps you stay sound relevant and stay, stay sound current. You know, you get behind that wall of noise and it can, it can add some, I guess, some longevity to, to the freshness of your record. But, um, anyway, pavement, indie darlings, indie before there was indie, hugely influential band. And I went with their first album, Slanted and Enchanted. It's noisy. And it's just, like I said, it fits my criteria. I put this on. And it doesn't sound like something that was released in 1992 to me. It, it sounds current. And, you know, it, it has some, like the Pixies, it, there is a very, there's a lot, there's a definitely an element of weirdness to their records. And this is no exception. But then you've got but the, the opening track, Summer Babe. Not really strange. It's just a good, it's a really good rock song. But, um, but you get in songs like In the Mouth of Desert, Conduit for Sale. It gets a little bizarre. The, the song here, great ballad. Um, just good record that does it's just not dated. Chris, you'll appreciate this. Uh, there are three bands that uh, I was forced to listen to when I was in college that I think I have PTSD from. Because mm-hmm. you know a mutual friend of ours was my roommate, and uh, he loved to crank them really loud late at night. It's Pavement, Dinosaur Junior, and Ministry, uh, and uh, so I'm gonna give him a hard time about that. But uh, I do remember this album, and I, there, there's some songs on there that I like. I will say that Stephen Malcolmus has a new solo album out that's getting like rave reviews uh, from a lot of people. So he's the lead singer of Pavement, but they were kind of almost like they were the indie band that truly wanted to be indie, you know, uh, Nirvana. I always say this about Nirvana. Like they wanted to be big. They may say they didn't, but you don't sign with Geffen records. If you don't want to be big, you know, you don't, you know, release in utero. If you don't want to be huge, a lot of these bands, when they had the chance, they took the money. And I feel like pavement almost purposely charted their, their career to where they never got to that point to to do that, but extremely influential band and um, a really really unique sound. One of my favorite one of my favorite uh, one of the favorite things anybody's ever said about pavement is one time a buddy of mine I was playing I was playing slanted and he didn't hate it, but Malcolm's his uh, his vocal style is a little bit different. He's not Pavar- Pavarotti. It's um. And, you know, you've heard people, I like, refer to them as slacker rock and all this. Well, he said, hey, I kind of, and I think I initiated, initiated it saying something about his vocal style. And he went, yeah, man, I mean, at least try. <laughs> and it, when he said that, it's like, it, it made sense. It is almost like he's not even trying. He's just barely uttering words a lot of times. You could, you're not, he's not the only one that has that, uh, that has that opinion. <laughs> But I mean, it is, it's, it's pretty accurate. You know, um, the best though, speaking of college, I did want to share one little story about David. Um, he, cause he's in this. So this friend we're talking about, he would get pavement CDs, not in a jewel case. And he may have a stack of three or four of them, put them in his pocket 
and he would go to the fraternity house where there were, you know, people listening to music all throughout the house, just sometimes wander into somebody's room when they weren't in there and take over their stereo and start blasting pavement. Well, he did this on, on this one night. And um, I remember on the drive home, I was I lived near near David and uh, just a few houses down and I was trying to get a ride home. And I remember it was we were in a I don't know whose car it was, but it was a small car. And you were you were riding shotgun. Our our our, our friend was riding shotgun and you were going to sit in his lap. And um, hey, guys, don't 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 judge. And we've all done this. It was college. But he was going to sit in his lap. And you sat on those CDs and they broke. That guy, when he looked at it, he looked heartbroken. And I remember you looked at him and you went, it doesn't matter, they suck anyway. <laughs> he took those CDs, spiked them on the ground, looked at you like he wanted to murder you right then and there and just started walking. <laughs> and he walked home. And it was a few miles to get to the house. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, that was a great story. Oh, but, but, but do you remember that? I do. God, that was funny. Man, he like I said, he, he went from heartbroken to rage in about five seconds. So my last one. Oh, we is, love you, though. Uh, in, in Pavement Ministry and um, uh, Dinosaur Jr. were always at uh, crank to, to 10 on the stereo. <laughs> But hopefully, hopefully we're going to have him on the podcast one day. So I think it'll happen. Yeah. Um, so last one I did was uh, another one that I've talked to before. I, I've talked about before. I talked about this on the first podcast we ever did as far as debut records, but being one of, the, in my opinion, one of the greatest debut records. But television, the first record, nineteen seventy-seven, Marquee Moon. It maybe to some to some people it may even sound somewhat dated, but to me. I think it's still like the way that I've talked about pavement. You could turn on Sirius XMU and feel like this has a place on there. It uh, it's just that I, I, it does, to me it doesn't. You think of some of the stuff that came out in the '70s that just there's no way you could listen to it. It sounds like 1977. This does it to me. I just think it's a super, super solid record, uh, often thrown in to the punk ranks. Well, I yeah, it, it's often thought of as television is often thought of as punk, but it's not a punk record. It's really not. They just they played in the punk clubs and they were kind of at the on the ground floor of building what became punk rock. But you know, same way that if you. But I guess it's kind of like some of the metal bands. If you if you listen to them, you're saying it's the first heavy metal. Well, it sure doesn't sound like anything Goat Wars doing, you know. But um, that's kind of the way I think of television. It's not it's not your standard punk, but it's just a super 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 good rock record. Um, it's I only only got eight tracks on it. I love them all, Mark and. It's only 40, it's 46 minutes, but one of those is, I mean, God, Marky Moon takes over 40 minutes. I mean, over 10 minutes of it, but Venus, Friction, Prove It, uh, just every song. It's great. If you haven't listened to it, do it. That's my list. 
Yeah, I agree with you on television. When you listen to that, you could you could. It's, it doesn't sound dated at all. Uh, much like, um, oh gosh, what was the one on our episode where we did the albums recently? It was the band, uh, the Jam. Um, some of the recording and production techniques um, just did not make me think it was you know mid to to late seventies. So yeah, yeah, I would, I would agree with that. Yeah, those were all good ones, uh, Chris. All right, so mine. Um, when when we start talking about this, the first thing that comes to my mind as far as an album that's before its time but sounding like it could have been recorded anytime is is going to be Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon because a lot of the recording techniques that are used today by other artists, they basically ushered into the mainstream with this album. For instance, 16-track uh, mixes, that was very, very rare, and they did that. They incorporated uh, drum loops and... Uh, um, synthesizers uh, a bit affecting like the, the I forget the name of the, the term but basically looping the synthesizers over and over again and um, most of the time albums that were recorded then were eight tracks or four tracks and um, of course you know this album is basically almost like one song it's kind of a, basically a continuous song everything segues into one another which is something we see now from time to time on concept albums and you may see it two songs segue into one another uh, on certain albums but when i listen to this the production value is so good and there the concept everything about it was just way ahead of its time and of course you know it's legendary it was on the week it was on the charts for over 900 weeks so 45 million albums uh one of the most instantly recognizable album covers and it took them from moderately successful to one of the you know best-selling bands of of all time and it just it sounds so good regardless of which reissue or if it's been re you know which remaster that um that you listen to uh but there's a you can go watch the making of it and just see what all went into it to make it so far um ahead of its time so it's one that for me sounds like it could have been any time because like i said so much of what we hear now they were the first ones to use those techniques, and not to mention the songs are great. Uh, it's just a it's just a cool album, and you know it's like forty five minutes long, so it's not too long, it's not too short, it's just right. So it's one that I never get tired of listening to, and to me is is completely timeless. Um, yeah, no, I, I like that record. I'm not I'm, I'm a casual Pink Floyd listener, listener, but I have it. I have probably six or seven other albums. That's one of them. All right, and so. Um, the next one I'm going to go with is R.E.M.'s Out of Time. This was the record that just really blew them up into one of the biggest bands in the world. And uh, it's unique in that it's it's mainly acoustic uh, driven, which, you know, their, their albums before that, that wasn't the case. And their album before this, Green, was kind of more pop oriented, I think, basically. Um, and the albums before that kind of helped... The, why we have alternative rock the name alternative rock or indie rock they were kind of the pioneers of a lot of that but the way this one was recorded and the songs on it to me are just so timeless like you i don't listen to it and go oh that was you know uh let's see it came out in 91 i don't think oh that's early 90s um there, there's just not a bad song on here and uh you know we talk about losing my religion one of the biggest songs of the 90s hands down um you know, I'm looking at it, Near Wild Heaven, a Shiny Happy People, of course, was a big one. I don't think they're too proud of it. But to me, the last part of this album is just 
as strong of a four-song closer that I've ever heard. Half a World Away, Texarkana, Country Feedback, Me and Honey. That is how you end an album. And, yeah, uh, that, that Country Feedback may be the best song on the record. And just, that, yeah, that's it's such a good song. So that, to me, is an album that sounds like it could have been made anytime and it could hold up uh, over the years. And, you know, I think it's the, probably the biggest selling album of their career. And it, like we said, it put them up there with U2 and Metallica and Guns N' Roses at the time. Yeah, the reason I like, the reason I do like the pick on that one, too, is it, it's the, the, the early 90s. It, yeah, there's, there's a sound that, like, you put on lithium that they, and I love lithium. It's probably my favorite station. On, on Sirius, but it has a, a it has a it has a sound. I mean, that, like every decade does, and this doesn't really fit in with that, which I think is a good way of saying that it was it was different and different in a way that's made it give it give it made it have staying power for sure. All right, my next one's going to draw the ire of some people, but that's okay. Uh, it's Radiohead's OK Computer, which came out at the uh, end of the 90s decade. Now, I'll admit, I'm, I am hot or cold on OK Computer. I like three albums. I mean, uh, Radiohead, I like three albums. The Benz, OK Computer, and In Rainbows. The other stuff, I can find maybe one song on the album that I like, but those three I do really like a lot. And OK Computer is one... This is not an album that you listen to passively, like where you're you're cleaning your house or you're driving and you know you got somebody in the car. It, in order to appreciate this one, you have to listen to it and you have to listen to it pretty intently. Uh, there's a lot of subtlety to it, but the the recording of it was uh, kind of groundbreaking at the time um, the, for a band like them. Who you know that first album, Pablo Honey, people kind of thought they were essentially the British equivalent of grunge and they changed their sound on basically every album. Like I said, I don't like all their stuff, but I'll give them that. They're not scared to, to change things, but th this album, it's very beautiful to me. Um, when you listen to it and the, whereas the bins, which is their second album, I think does sound dated. It does sound like, Oh, that's something you could hear would hear on lithium. And you do, you do hear songs off of it on lithium. Okay. Computer, uh, they basically changed who they were and there's, you know, there's not as much like electric guitar as far as like distortion. It's a lot more, uh, they have some strings and different melodies and stuff like that. Um, but it's an album that a lot of people have tried to copy, not like, you know, note for note, but they've tried to take that concept of OK Computer, of how it was recorded, how it sounded. So when we were growing up, we would hear people say, oh, that's, uh, that album is that band's Exile on Main Street, or it's their Dark Side of the Moon. For bands that came after them, people say, oh, that's their OK computer. So I understand a lot of people listening to it are going to get upset whenever you mention Radiohead, but I actually think it is a really good album, but you have to like be in a certain mood for it, and you have to listen to it intently. Yeah, I don't have... I mean, I'm not a hater of theirs. I, I don't get the love, but I don't... I mean, it's... They're fine. You know, so I don't, I don't, and I don't have a lot to say about this particular record because I don't, I just don't know it. All right. So my next one is uh, Nothing Shocking, the uh, debut album from by Jane's Addiction. Now, when Jane's Addiction came out, they came out of L.A. and at the time, everybody coming out of L.A. was Poison and Warrant and uh, you know, you name it, um, stuff like that. And they just kind of never really got into that. They may have flirted with it a little bit in their, you know, before they got signed, but. They had a sound that has, um, 
it has kept them almost relevant their entire career. Um, much as we talked about other bands that we li- that you listen to, say, oh, you know, I listen to Uncle Tupelo a lot. A lot of people are going to say they listen to Jane's Addiction because they weren't what was coming out of L.A. And they had a lot of uh, kind of indie cred, but they also rocked pretty hard. And the debut album, Nothing Shocking, is really, really good. It does not sound dated to me at all. Whereas, like, if you put on, if you turn on, like, Hair Nation and you hear Poison, you know, something from Poison in 1988, you go, oh, that is clearly late 80s. Uh, to me, Nothing Shocking does not uh, fit that description. And um, uh, an album that o- over time has really grown in popularity just has a unique sound to it that does not give it a timestamp of a particular time, you know, particular decade. I agree with that. I look at I look at a band like like um, I look at bands like Jane's Addiction, Faith No More, Red Hot Chili Peppers. Those were all bands that were doing something. And and honestly, you could have picked Faith No More or Red Hot Chili Peppers and made it made this list with either one of those and it would have been they would have been solid picks because both of all three of those bands and there are many other ones too to give as examples but those bands just when everything was kind of stale their music in the in the hard rock realm they just they came out with something totally different totally fresh and that's what part of why those records because they don't sound like every one of their the, the bands going out there they did something different that, again, gave it a little bit more of a little bit more staying power. Yeah. So if you're not familiar with them, I can't imagine that you wouldn't be. But nothing shocking. The first album is really, really good. You've heard these songs. Even if you didn't know that you who they were at the time. All right. My last one, I went back and forth on this, back and forth, back and forth. And I made a game time decision. It's going to be Yankee Hotel Foxtrot by Wilco. This was their first album. We mentioned Jeff Tweedy and John uh Strott earlier from Uncle Tupelo. Uh, Wilco's first album uh, was just pretty much kind of almost like a paint by numbers country rock, more rock album, you know. Um, and then being there, the double album was the other one I almost went with, but it was more uh, kind of diverse. You had some some rockers, you had some country songs, some mid tempo songs, some ballads on it. It's a really really good double album, and I you know I'm not a big fan of double albums, but it's one that I would recommend. And then the third one was Summer Teeth, which was, I think, is their actually their best album, but um, is a little bit different. It's kind of showing them what direction they're going. They're almost like a their elements of it are just basically kind of like 1970s pop music um, uh, sounding, and there's there's use of like synthesizers and stuff like that. It's a really really good album. But Yankee Hotel Foxtrot was the one that was I think they really thought was going to break them. And instead, they uh, they basically recorded an album and then deconstructed it down. And you know, there's a documentary about it. It's uh, they were released from their record contract, gave away the album uh, on the internet um, for free, and then asked people to go buy it once it came out. But uh, it, it is a unique sounding album. And um, for instance, like I'm trying to break your heart. It's one of my favorite Wilco songs that is completely original. Nobody before or since, I don't think it's done anything like that. And, uh, it, it's really cool. It's an ear candy album. If you listen to it with headphones on, whether you're on your iPod or, you know, your record player, your CD player, there's a lot of noises and stuff in there that sound really cool. And it's one, when it came out, I was like, what are they doing? I, you know, I didn't like it. It took me a couple of years to fully embrace it. But it is a uh, massively important album for anything other than marketing uh, purposes for what 
the band went through to finally get the album out the way they wanted to. And that documentary, I highly, uh, I highly suggest it. But you're a big Wilco fan. I, I don't know if I've ever really talked to you at length about this album. Um, it's really good. It's it's overrated for a Wilco album for me, just because of the hype that was surrounding it and the documentary and all of that and the story. That's the but saying it's overhyped doesn't mean it's not good. It is good, mm-hmm. and like you, Summer Teeth is easily my favorite. But this this definitely has some excellent excellent songs on it. Um, and and actually the uh, you know we're, we're talking about influence and and the way bands people are influenced by certain bands. Well, I, I had mentioned earlier American Aquarium. Well, that's where their name came from was that record so yeah i i like this i like a lot of the songs on it um i mean i, I it's not really it doesn't really have a bad song uh, i love camera though uh jesus uh, jesus jesus etc heavy metal drummer war on war um yeah it's it's a good record and i think it does have i don't think it i think it does fit into what we're going for on this i don't i don't hear anything that sounds dated when i put that on no, and honestly, a lot of people have probably tried to copy some of it um, going forward. It's you know you hear people say it's an art rock album, and uh, there's a lot of noise on there at times. And you know they're a band that is that is completely they've changed a lot and get really gotten away from what they were their first three albums. But uh, this one was really good. And if anything, it's it's mythological for sure in how it was recorded and how it came to be. So yeah, all I mean they went all country kind of a little known alt country band to indie darlings with that record. Yeah. And playing, I think, I think they played on like Saturday night live. Um, so anyway, I'm supposed to go see them in a month. I don't know if that's going to happen or not. I can't kind of doubting it is now. I don't know. I I feel like in a month we're going to be kind of get the, I, I, I'm cautiously optimistic that we will have the, the shows will be back. The rock show will be back. I hope you're right. Um, so Chris and I, hopefully um, during this time, we'll be a little more regular with releasing episodes. Um, go follow us on Twitter at Digital Killed, and we have our Facebook page, Digital Killed, the Radio Star Podcast, and then we have our Facebook page of the same name and Instagram. And if you get a chance, go listen. I mean, uh, go to Apple Podcast and leave us a, a review, preferably uh, five stars, and uh, leave a few words about why you like the podcast, and that'll help us down the line with being recommended uh, to other podcast listeners. So. Um, Chris and I are about to uh, sign off, and uh, let's hope the coronavirus goes away sooner uh, rather than later. And uh, take care, everybody, and we'll be back with you shortly. Stay safe and wash your hands.